Welcome to Pet Pod, the podcast from Oak Tree Animals Charity, keeping you up to date with life at Oak Tree. I'm Caroline Johnson, General Manager at Oak Tree, and today I'm joined by Vet Jade Hilton from the Green Vets at Skelton, our very own Head of Animal Welfare, Caroline, and our Community Officer, Julie. Today we'll be talking about an initiative we started a few years ago, which has helped over 1,000 cats in our region, our Trap, Neuter and Return TNR programme which follows guidelines from International Cat Care and other leading cat welfare charities to help improve the welfare of feral cat populations. So actually, what is TNR, Julie? Right. TNR is Trap, Neuter, Return. And we usually go to farms. Um, that's where most of our work is, but obviously in town as well, where there's just been too, too many cats. They've got out of control. People haven't realised how quickly they do reproduce. And the <laughs> only way we can get them is to trap them and obviously we take them in, neuter them, and they're returned back to where they came from. So why would we return them back to where they came from rather than just relocate more behind them? Well, most of the cats that we trap are either farm barn cats or feral cats, and it's for their welfare that they stay where they are. Um, it's, it's their home, it's where they feed, and if we take them away, it would only cause vacuum effect. Exactly, it's nothing like a cat vacuum because you've got a food source there, haven't you? Yes. So if you've got a food source there and the cats on that, if you just take your cats that you've managed, you've neutered, you've looked after them, you've made sure they're healthy, and you relocate them, all you're going to do is there's still that food source there, so you're going to get new cats and have to start That's the process of perpetuating cycle. Again, yes. So yeah. what do we do, Jade? You do a lot of TNLs for us. So what actually do we do? How do we make sure the cat's health and welfare is looked after? So we get in a couple of cats or several cats. Either Julie or Betty will drop them off. <laughs> and we will individually weigh each cat in its cage because most of them can't be handled. This is so that we can give them the correct dose of anaesthetic, which is safest for them rather than just giving a blanket dose. We have a look at each of the cats individually and make sure that they're healthy. We treat any underlying issues. We'll treat them for worms or please if we think that they need it. Every cat will get vaccinated. Every cat will get neutered. And then we ear tip them on the left ear. So why would we ear tip them? I mean, obviously, that, that's quite a big procedure. So why would we do that? It's so that you can recognise that the cat has been neutered before and that it is part of the programme. Yeah, it must be quite a challenge actually for you, Julie, because obviously you're catching cats a lot. And actually just making sure that you don't catch the same cat twice, because obviously you don't necessarily want to put it under an anaesthetic again, you don't want to put it through that situation again. Well, that's it. And I mean, sometimes we can go to a lot of TNRs that we've done in, in the past month or so, where we've had 20 odd cats, maybe 30 cats. And obviously you're doing it over three or four days. So some of the cats have actually been released before you've actually got those ones in. So we need to know which ones, which is, it's very unlikely that we'll catch, we'll trap a cat twice. They're not that silly. <laughs> <laughs> They're quite good at not being trapped twice, aren't they? <laughs> but yeah, but it is an easy way of finding that you, that you can see that they've already been through the programme and they've been neutered. Fantastic. In terms of the neutering procedure, is there anything different you do as you, as you do normally, Jade? Well, our standard procedure for the female cats is to do a side spare. So rather than a midline spare that goes down the centre of the abdomen. This is because some studies have shown that this is a less painful procedure. So obviously, if we're trapping in an urban environment or in a any environment, there's a risk that we could trap a owned cat, a pet cat. So how do we stop that and minimise that risk? So once the cats are under anaesthetic, during our health check, we will always run a microchip scanner over them to check that they're not microchips and owned by someone. Julie also goes through and spends quite a lot of time in the community beforehand. Yes, a lot of time. And <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? And speaks to the people in the area. What do you do with that Sorry. process? Um, yeah, especially uh, urban areas, and we'll go around all houses, knock on doors, hopefully see people, put letters through the doors, take photographs of the cats, and we can spend probably two weeks before we even think about trapping them, making sure that we're not getting somebody's cat because that would be the worst thing. And once they've come in, is there any way that you can actually tell that they might not be part of the colony? 
So the cats in the colony will often look quite similar. You'll have a whole group of cats that are black and white. And if there's a cat that's come in that could potentially be owned by someone, it's often a different color. You'll have a, a gray cat amongst a whole group of black and white ones. And this is quite an obvious giveaway. Anyway, why would we go through TNR rather than be homing? Why is that really important for their welfare cats? I think part of the problem is with um, particularly larger feral cat colonies, uh, there are risks of congenital diseases, so they could be born with certain conditions that could make life very painful or quite short for them. Uh, obviously, the other big risk, if you've got uh, a large colony of feral cats, is the impact they can have on the domestic cat population. So they will be fighting over resources, uh, they can carry disease because obviously they won't have been vaccinated. So the, there is a really huge risk to our pet cats as well. There is not only you find that feral cats that aren't managed, they become quite vocal, don't they? And they're quite vulnerable. They become a bit of a bane of their community's existence, the human community. And then you, that's when you start to see some of the welfare problems coming through, where people try to take a little bit of perhaps vigilante action against the cats. And you start to see cats being injured, trapped, deliberately hurt to try and stop that social problem. Because spraying and noise spraying is particularly unpleasant characteristic of, a, of an unneutered feral colony. Um, and also the yowling and noising. Uh, yowling and noises um, that the cats make. So it's really important in that terms to uh, look at their welfare. You certainly don't want people taking it into their own hands to deal with it because then you're just setting yourself up, I think, for more problems. And as you say, you know, there's always a risk of abuse of, of, in those cases as well. Absolutely. And I've certainly seen through my career in welfare, people taking pot shots at cats when they become a social problem for them. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, Jade, and some of, if you've seen these situations like that. We actually see very little cruelty against cats. Um, I think the biggest problem is well, the biggest reason for this is probably because cats are smart and able to get away. I think that is one of the reasons why a TNR is such a, such a good idea is because a cat won't live somewhere where it's not comfortable. It won't live somewhere where there's no food. It won't live somewhere where there's no shelter. So a cat chooses a place. Anyone who owns a cat will know that the cat will always choose the most comfortable spot and lie in the warmest area. So I think that that is quite an important consideration with the TNR. We have occasionally seen a cat that we've suspected has been shot, but we don't often see them, luckily. Oh, that's really fortunate. And it really doesn't make a big difference. What we find with a lot of calls is owners are saying, or people are saying, but my, this cat is outside, it's going to get cold, it's going to have a problem. Actually, as you said, cats are really intelligent. They find those warm spots, they find those cosy corners. And even in winter, they have got ample hunting grounds and they've got great space to be warm, be cosy and to be looked after. And with the TNR, we particularly make sure that there is a feeder isn't there so what is a feeder what's the role of a feeder yeah it, there's always a feeder because that's why they're there they are being fed and there's somebody there to, to check the health of the cats and, and quite often we do get calls about cats that are straying they're out in someone's garden everybody feels sorry for them it's going to get cold but really when you say to them have you ever seen this cat wet they're never going to be wet even though we've had rain um so yeah as you say jade they do find somewhere to live and they enjoy they like where they live or they will move on if they don't get fed or they haven't got a warm, warm place and i suppose that's the distinction between what is a feral cat and what is a domestic cat why do we do this process for feral cats guys well, i think i was just going to say then uh, on the back of what julie was saying that we would actually be doing them a disservice if we did try to bring them inside because exactly. we felt sorry for them um, there is a huge difference feral cats um, live a, a much more natural cat life uh, they wouldn't cope if they were being contained in a house somewhere. They they need to be able to roam naturally, hunt naturally, and exhibit all of those natural cat behaviours. Um, whereas our domestic cats have got a little bit soft and are expecting dinner to be <laughs> served um, by, by a friendly waitress sort of two or three times a day on the best china. <laughs> That's lucky. <laughs> 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 and, and a properly domesticated cat will not always survive if, if it becomes astray and, and uh, ostensibly becomes feral again. 
So there is quite a difference between the two of them. But then we obviously, as the cats develop, we get this sort of critical period between two to seven weeks of age where their systems and, their, and their, all of their brain and sensory systems are developing. And every sort of stimuli and every external influence will affect that development. And that really is what really hardwires them to either be a feral cat, really on their instincts and working in the world, or becoming a pet cat. And as part of the, the Association of Dogs and Cats Homes, the ADCH, one of the regulations that we sign up to is to say that actually we won't take and rehome a cat that has unsocialised and is a feral cat after eight weeks. Up to eight weeks, if we get a litter of kittens, what happens? If we, if we get a litter of kittens, we will still go through the, the trap and the neuter, um, but we will bring them in to be socialised and rehomed. But it has to be under the eight weeks, over eight weeks, they won't be socialised. Um, so you've got to think about the welfare of that kitten. Would it have been happier just being left in it, its colony? It is, and there's a technique called, uh, that often happens in these cases where actually the animal is called flooding, where the animal is flooded. And what does that mean, Kaz? So flooding is basically uh, overwhelming the cat's senses um, to the point where it, it becomes shut down. Uh, everything that we're bombarding it with, uh, our affection, which we think is a good thing, <laughs> wanting to cuddle it, wanting to, to be with it all the time, for the cat, it becomes very uncomfortable to the point where it's so overwhelmed and anxious with this um, interference from us that it, it, it literally just shuts down. And then people think, oh, look, it's so calm and quiet. But actually, uh, that's not the case. Um, it's very fearful, very anxious. And down the line, that might then come back uh, and manifest itself in behaviours that you really don't want. And are there other effects of that sort of flooding or that, that stress that you can see as a vet? So as a vet, you'll often see an animal that is unnecessarily terrified of something and that is usually as a result of poor socialization so you did touch on the socialization period but I just wanted to go back to that because I think it's really important is a lot of people do discuss things with dogs they know about socialization in dogs but I think socialization in cats is very much neglected absolutely and agree. you'll have a really socialized dog and people speak about this but they don't realize that socialization isn't just a social thing about meeting new dogs and new people but also socialisation to the environment and what's normal to them. So a cat that goes from a shed that's very quiet, they've got animal noises, they've got the freedom to move, and is suddenly put in a household where there's a TV and there's a washing machine mm. and there's vacuum cleaners and there's a lot of unusual noise and there are people all around. It's, it's like someone who's kind of scared of snakes, doesn't <laughs> like snakes, going into a pit of snakes and being covered with them. That's going to be a terrifying experience and you can't actually function. So as a health thing, a cat that is flooded can't function normally because it goes into survival mode, not into living its life and doing things normally. They often will crouch in a corner and we do we don't often see this, but we do see cats that have had this and they just don't really adjust very well to this household. What sort of things do you see? It's not always very obvious because cats are they, they do protect themselves, that's why you don't often see your cat sick until it's quite sick. So they often go into a freeze mode where they'll hide or they'll crouch. They don't necessarily act very sick or worried. But they will they will hide quite a lot and they might become defensive so they might become quite aggressive cats are very unhappy also often urinate in strange places to show that they're unhappy i think one of the issues one of the calls we often get is about cat urination actually we spend a lot of time talking about cats and litter boxes um, because it is such a obvious and, and a problem for owners and actually a good sign that your cat has some form of stress or a medical condition um, that we need to investigate a little bit more so there are all sorts of interesting elements with that going back to tnr a little bit in terms of welfare for the cats Julie can you think of a case that you went to where you felt it made such a difference to the cat colony and the health of that cat colony yeah um well I've had three very recent 
I had one living in a garden. We had 32 cats in all, just living in someone's garden in the Gosh. sheds and everything. And the, the cats were suffering. There was lots of diarrhea and everything, which wasn't helpful to other neighbours as well. Um, so we managed to, to bring them all in. It went um, Jade sorted them. And, um, and we, we sorted them out, flea, worm and everything, took them back. Um, spoke to the the people, the feeders yeah. as well, and helped them out. Brought litter trays and everything, and give them lots of advice, and still do. And now going back to that house and to the garden is so different. All the cats are very happy, neighbours are happy, and all of them are well and healthy, and they're not going to increase in number as well. And that's <laughs> really really important because I mean yeah. neutering is quite key to population management and control. Kaz, think of it. Why do we need to neuter? <laughs> Well, for population control, as you say, um, I mean, a single female cat can have such a huge amount or, or give rise to a huge amount of progeny over a very short period of time. You, know, you bear in mind that these lovely fluffy kittens can actually have a litter of their own between four and six months of age and then can have up to three litters a year. And those litters are going on to have more litters. As you can see, it can get out of hand very, very quickly. Um, so really neutering is the only way to prevent that uh, as well as to prevent all of the associated problems that were probably already talked about in, in terms of the health and welfare of the animal um, but it's about having responsible breeding and just not letting it get out of control and that can be a huge issue for a community because it isn't just a cat impact there is an impact on the human and the owner who can feel a bit overwhelmed again is there a case that you can think yeah, of yeah um, talking about the owners being overwhelmed it's happened in a couple of cases i mean i've, I've got one at the moment we've ended up taking 44 cats and they started off with two farm cats right. one farm cat got out and we're talking over over i think it's under two years wow. the cat got out came back with kittens obviously tom cats arrived and it just and then it just became overwhelming because of course she was trying to rehome these kittens always wanted good homes for them was doing the best that she possibly could but it just gets out of hand and it's overwhelming and say in the end 44 cats we managed to bring in from really one escapee. <laughs> <laughs> I think that really highlights how important yeah. actually population management is. Yeah. What about population management? Why is that so important from a vet's perspective? Well, a cat will always fill a population gap. So your colony will grow until there's not enough food. So when there's someone feeding them, the growth is virtually unlimited until they stop feeding. And from a health perspective, it's really unhealthy to be having two or three litters, which is what a cat is capable of having in a year. They have to grow these kittens. So that's extra food that they need, that's extra space on their, their systems, and they will continue to have kittens as long as there's food and space available. So from our perspective, all these cats and having a huge colony, if they fill that space, they'll often overspill into neighbouring spaces, and unmuted cats are more prone to fighting, so they can spread diseases like FIV to, to the domesticated cats. It's a major problem because FIV is an immune suppressing disease so it can show up as various other diseases and it's just the cat has a poor immune system and it is life limiting. I think we need to clarify for some of our listeners who may not know what FIV is. Uh, what, what is FIV? FIV is feline immunodeficiency virus so it's similar to human AIDS it can't be spread to humans so adopting a cat with FIV has no human risk but it does have a cat risk. So it is often if you know your cat's got it you're just more careful you keep it as an indoor cat so it can't spread it to the neighbours and it's less likely to pick up diseases from outdoor cats. We not only just see FIV going through colonies we see other diseases going through colonies and flu is one that we really commonly see um, in a TNR um, process and there have been situations where 
colonies have become so well, you've got kittens where you've got eyes glued shut, you've become ill, and you do see deaths arising from that. So TNR is quite an important, uh, well, it's a very important management tool. Yeah, um, I've got an example of that as well, that, that went to a, a lovely farm, um, 13 cats, but then we went through, um, we had about five litters to bring in after TNR, and all those kittens had cat flu. Gosh. Um, so it was it was obviously something that was just going to happen over and over again. So of course all the cats went back, they've all been neutered, those kittens all been rehomed, and now we've got a healthy colony, but that would have just gone on and on and on, probably. Um, the rest of the other litters would have had um, cat flu as well. So, um, so now we've got a healthy colony and we've got how many? We had about 16 kittens all rehomed <laughs> and all healthy. And, and doing really well. Doing they're really, doing really well. well. Yeah. We love seeing the photos when they come back. Yeah. I mean, the photos of these kittens coming back into the home. I was going to say, I think one of the other impacts to, to consider as well, and it obviously depends in the in the area that we're talking about, but if a, a cat colony gets out of control, I've lived in places where that's had a devastating impact on local wildlife as well, to the extent where it's decimated endemic species in, in various areas. So it, it is, it, it's, it's a, a wider problem, I think, than people think of just having two or three stray cats hanging around. It can become a really massive problem for your ecology of the local area as well, uh, as well as then the comfort of your domestic cats and the, the peace and quiet for the local community. Completely, and we do get calls from people who own, have owned cats and they find that they're being attacked by other cats yes. and likewise they're decimating bird populations and other, and other animals yes. that we need to be able to control and to be able to support them and to make sure that colony remains healthy. Um, so if people do have an issue, what do they do? If they do find there is a problem, what do they do? Call our community team. Call our community team. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> so but how would they go through the process? Well, they would, they would call us. Um, what we would do is chat about the, the whole situation that they've got with, the, um, with their cats. Uh, we'd expl explain the procedure that we go through. Um, and then we would go out and visit and check how many, because we're all, there's always more than they expect. I mean, we've had sort of, I went out for four um, a few weeks ago and ended up with 10. Um, so there's always more. Um, and then we would go through, uh, we take a dummy trap. So the cats get used to actually going into a trap to be able to feed. And then after a couple of weeks, when we, we realise that they're into a routine, it's happening at the same time every day, then we will go and trap, take our traps and trap them. And this can go on during the day, during the night, and for, 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 for a few days, so we know that we've got all the cats. And then obviously take them to the vets, get them muted, and then release. So we know we're releasing the healthy cats. And we know that we've got all the cats as well, because there is no point just catching a couple, because... That, that won't um, help the situation one bit if we only get a couple. So we make sure that we, we get all the cats. So it could take a long time. Excellent. Often we do get something say, I've just caught one cat. That really isn't good because well, they've come trap shy, don't they? That's it, yeah. If we've got, if we've got one, and, and I have heard of people that have got a trap from somewhere, they've trapped one cat and they've said, oh, well, we let it go because we didn't get the others. Well, that, then we wouldn't be able to get that cat again. Yeah. But they, they learn so, very quickly. And yeah. they learn by watching. So you've got one cat being trapped and other cats watching that situation. They're not going to get that trap. Um, so yeah. they do they yeah. do certainly learn yeah. in that respect. So do, does that cost anyone? Does that, does that Is there a cost to the... There's not person? a cost to the person, no. Um, we, because it helps us. It helps us because it, it um, decreases the amount of cats that maybe couldn't come in and be, re, be rehomed. Or it, it helps in the health side of it and veterinary costs. So it doesn't cost anything to the, the the people who are feeding these cats. It doesn't. I mean, it also solves a, a number of welfare issues that could arise, including preventing animal abuse and cruelty. But obviously, we do ask for donations. <laughs> yes, and we have some amazing funders who support that. There's so many grant funders 
and organisations who just want to make a difference to the lives of these cats, and we've got to thank them for that work. So, um, most most of the uh, TNRs that we do, we do get donation, you know, donations from them as well, so that's much appreciated. Oh, definitely, 100%. <laughs> so, Jane, obviously we do see a large number of these colonies in farmland areas. So what are the benefits for farmers to be able to follow a track to return programme? So one of the big benefits that everyone expects from having cats on the property would be your pest control because cats will also do a lot of hunting, not just for birds, well, not hunting of birds, but hunting of rats as well, and rats can carry diseases. Cats, unfortunately, also carry diseases, but having a stable population limits this. So having a TNR on your farm and keeping your stable population of cats is very beneficial because new cats bring in new diseases. So getting rid of your cats will just mean there's a gap there when new cats will come in. And something like toxoplasma, which is an intestinal parasite of cats, and it's passed out in the feces, they can pass out millions of eggs, and this goes into the food, and it can go onto the grazing, and it can last for months. If your sheep eat this while they're pregnant, they can lose their lambs, or you can have birth of very weak lambs that die shortly after birth. So cats can have quite a bad reputation with farmers, but having a stable population will limit the new disease that's being brought in by young cats that are filling the population gap. A huge thank you to our guests today, Jade, Caroline and Judy, and to all our supporters and funders who help us improve animal welfare and protect animals in our community. If you have any questions you'd like answered or areas you'd like us to cover in a future podcast, please do email them to us at info at oaktreeanimals.org.uk. Thanks so much for listening to Pet Pods. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.